If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, if you will, to Psalms 100. Psalms 100, as you find your way there this morning, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Psalms 100, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, as we look at this scripture, Father, that's so much so familiar to many of us, Father, we realize, Lord, that uh, this is all about worship. It's all about entering into worship, Father, on a foundation of gratefulness, a foundation of thankfulness, Father, and how appropriate, Lord, that we might talk about this today as our nation pauses this week to say thanks. Father, we do thank you. Father, even in the midst of hard times, in the midst of difficult times, Father, we still have you. So, Father, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you, Father, that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us, Father, that you're always there, that you are a promise keeper, Father. In the midst of our hardest times, Father, we can rest securely in your promises and realize, Lord, that you're in control, that you're always going to be in control, Father, that nothing is ever outside your reach. Father, we come this morning to praise your holy name. Father, we come this morning to worship you. So I pray for each one of us, beginning with the pastor, Father, that we'd all have a singular focus this morning, Father. That's to have an encounter with you. Father, I pray as we think about the scripture today, as we meditate on it, as we ponder it, Father, as we reflect on this scripture, Father, we realize, Lord, that we are truly a blessed people, Father. We're your people, Father. We're your chosen generation, Father, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Father, your own special people. Father, we thank you now once again for the abundant blessings of life through Jesus Christ. Father, we pray all these things in his precious, holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your finger in Psalms 100, though, if you will. And I want to look at the scripture, and you kind of wonder, you know, what do we do to worship, and how do we worship, and what is it that we're thankful for? Well, this is probably, without a doubt, arguably the greatest praise, thankful worship scripture in all the Bible. It's the most familiar. Most people have heard it before. Many of us can quote it and know, that, know it by heart. But I want you to notice something that is key in this verse right here. It says, make a joyful shout to the, what? The Lord. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord. Verse 3 says, know the Lord. Verse 4 says, enter into his gates. And verse 5 says, the Lord is good. All five scriptures point to what? Point to God. I want you to realize, you know, many times we're thankful for things we have or things we get or thankful for people in our lives, these sort of things. And a lot of times those things change. Sometimes we have more things than not. Sometimes people come in and out of our lives. But you know what we always have to be thankful for is God. True worship is founded on God. I want you to notice something else here that to me that is just profound as we kind of dissect this verse a little bit. You know, we're talking here about gratitude, about thanksgiving. If you were to look up the word gratitude in the Hebrew, the original language there, you'd come to realize that one of the definitions of gratitude is confession. You say, well, how does gratitude have anything to do with confession? Well, let me share this with you. When we're grateful, you know what we're doing? We're confessing our dependence on somebody else. When I'm thankful for you, 
That means I'm, I'm thankful for something you've done in my life or something you've given me or you've made my life richer. We acknowledge that others have a power to impact our life. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful in my life for my parents or grandparents and all those people that have come before me. I'm thankful for you. All the people that have had an impact in my life, I'm thankful for that. Do you know, most of all, as we think about the Scripture today, I'm thankful for God, what God has done in my life, the difference He has made in my life. We have to admit and confess in our life that my life is better because of Him, because of other people. So when we think about thanksgiving and gratitude, I want you to think about this. It's truly confession from my heart. I'm thankful. You know what we're talking about here? It's humble thanksgiving. I'm thankful for the things I have in my life because somebody else blessed me. First and foremost, God did that. So I have this incredible relationship with God, and he has changed my life. You know, as we all get ready for Thanksgiving, we recognize a lot of things that are typically Thanksgiving. A lot of times we sit down for a nice big table, and that's always exciting to be around family and friends. And I want to suggest this to you, and I may recommend it again to it. You know, when you sit down at your table, you may already do this. You may already have great family traditions, but one of the things we've done since as long as I can remember it came out of my parents' home was that we take time before we eat to say what we're thankful for. We go around the table and each person kind of expresses, and typically it's about God or it's about each other or something going on in their life. But, you know, just taking an extra special time on this Thanksgiving Day to sit with each other and talk about all the things we had to be grateful for. And we can praise God together for all those things in our life. You know, it's a, Thanksgiving Day is a very distinctive holiday. It doesn't signify or commemorate a battle. It doesn't commemorate somebody's birthday. It doesn't commemorate an anniversary. It's simply a day set aside to give thanks. And it originated, make no doubt about it, what people say today about it. They probably want to change the name of Thanksgiving Day too. But it originated giving thanks to God. On November 26, 1789, George Washington declared the first Thanksgiving Day. He wrote a proclamation to say that we need to give thanks to God for the abundant blessings as a nation. You know, that's not where the story started, though. We can go back a little bit earlier than that. The story of the pilgrims. In 1621, they had their first Thanksgiving dinner and meal as well. I want you to realize the very first year the pilgrims had there when they had their first Thanksgiving, they dug seven times more graves than they built houses. Seven times more graves. People were dying like crazy because of starvation and because of cold weather and freezing and illnesses and things that struck them. But you know what? They still realized they were blessed. You know what that says to me and to you? They had boundless faith in God. George Washington knew that. He realized that there was no way that his army should have ever beaten the greatest army in the world. There was no way that that nation should have been placed as a nation and there should be a brand new nation but for God. The pilgrims realized in the midst of all of our hard times now, losing loved ones and burying person after person after person, loved one after loved one after loved one, that they had an incredible blessing from God. They were in a new land. They still had all these things. There was more things to be thankful for than to be sorry about even though they were grieving. The boundless faith of God. Think about that. There is no ending to God's goodness. There no, there's no ending to his faithfulness. No ending to his abundant favor upon you and I. Ponder for just a second here. What are you most thankful for today? What are you thankful for today? I always do this in my Bible studies this time of year when I sit around and go around the table with those guys and ask what they're thankful for. We did it Friday. And I uh, heard incredible testimonies. And every one of them gave glory to God, but they also had other things they're thankful for. But what are you thankful for today? I read this little article by a young couple. 
They said what they're thankful for. And you may think these are kind of strange, but think about what they're looking at when they see these things. Their list said this, I'm thankful for the taxes I pay because it means I have a job. I'm thankful for the clothes that I have, even though they're a little snug, because it means that I'm eating well. I'm thankful for a lawn that needs to be mowed, for windows that need to be washed, for gutters that need to be cleaned, because it means that I have a home. I'm thankful for my huge heating bill, because it means I have heat. I'm thankful for the piles and piles, and maybe some of your mothers can relate to this, the piles and piles of laundry that I have to do. Because it means that I have loved ones nearby. What are you thankful for? Are you thankful for God? Are you really, really thankful for God? As you think about the scripture we just read a minute ago, does that impact the way that you worship? I'm so thankful for God. What God has done. Where would you and I be truly without God? Where would we be without His goodness? Where would we be without the love of God, with the grace of God? Where would we be without faithfulness of God? I've told men before that are thinking about going to the ministry that uh, if you're intended to be in the ministry, God will make it happen. God will put you there. And then I use the illustration that it will be like a turtle sitting on a fence post. There's no way that you could have got there without God. Somebody put that turtle on top of a fence post. You can visualize that. Do you know, I, I think that in the, in the realm of the ministry that God will put you there. If you're intended to be in the ministry, you just keep trusting God, keep moving forward, keep being faithful. And if you're intended to be going to the ministry full-time or part-time, whatever it might be, God will put you there. But I want you to ponder this thought just about life for a second this morning. Are there things in your life you realize, man, <laughs> that situation is like a turtle on the fence post. That only happened because God did that. God put me there. God did this. God, I know many of us that are married realize that God did that. Me marrying Amy was like God put me on a fence post. He did that. There's no way that I deserve to have a wife like Amy. And I many of you guys think that same thing about your spouse. God did that. God gave me the children here. This is like a turtle on a fence post. Think about your, in your life, though, how faithful God has been and he's put you someplace that you didn't deserve. Put you someplace that there's no way that you could have got there by yourself. That God did that. You know, as we enter into worship, we need to realize, look what God did in my life. We're going to talk about it in just a minute, but you know what the essence of all true worship is? Coming in with joy, coming in with happiness, being excited about what God had. I'm excited about what God has for me. I'm excited about what He did, and I want to come and worship Him. What does that mean? I want to tell Him what He's worth to me. I want to ascribe worth to God because look what God did in my life. I'm blessed, blessed and highly favored. And God did that, just like a turtle on a fence post. There's five key words here I want to use to kind of go through these five scriptures just read. But they basically describe the essence of true worship, true thanksgiving. Verse number one, look at that for a second. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. You know what he means by shout? It's meaning proclaim your worship, proclaim your thanksgiving like a big trumpet blast. What is God worth to you? Is he worth a lot? I have God on my team. I have a Savior named Jesus Christ, and I have the abundant life. I have the riches of heaven Almighty. I don't care what happens to me in this world. This world, I still got God. I want to tell you kind of a sad story, and I'll ask you to pray for it. Amy and I have a very precious couple of friends, families that are friends of ours. 
Some of you may know them, and I don't think she'd mind me using their name as the Vanderpools, Jill and Todd Vanderpool. Many of you know them. We've known them since our days at Grove. He and I were deacons together at Grove Avenue Baptist Church and been friends all these years, just very close family friends. They've been to our church a number of times, and somehow they found out that something special is going on in our church or in Amy's My Life. You know what? They show up. They've always shown up like that. They've always sent us letters and cards. Well, Jill battled breast cancer about six years ago. You know what? One. God got her through it. She's in remission of that. They went to Greece about five weeks ago. She started feeling kind of bad in Greece and came home. She felt so bad she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to go to the hospital. She's sitting at St. Mary's right now, waiting surgery on Tuesday, with six tumors in her brain, one on her liver and one on her lung, all cancer. We went down and saw her. It was a very emotional time seeing her. But you know what? There was a strength there. You know what that strength was? Her relationship with God. Even though it was emotional, even though she realized this is pretty serious, we realized it was serious too. She's had cancer before. This is even more serious. But there was a strength in that room. There was a presence of God in that room that I've seen times before when I've seen other people facing that thing and they had a firm belief in Jesus Christ. But there is strength in God. There's strength in our hardest times, and we can still worship God. Why? Because we realize He's in control, that He's still God. That, you know, the doctors may not have a good prognosis, and these things might not mean a whole lot over here, but God's everything. And I'm going to rest my life in God. And I have a strength that, that is unparalleled. It's unmatchable. It's unsearchable. God is there for me, and so I'm going to worship that. I want to get excited about what God is. You know, we seem to get more serious about God when we have hard times going on and say, God, I need you here. Unfortunately, sometimes our relationship and our thankfulness for God is like a spare tire. I'm thankful that spare tire in my trunk still got air in it. I can put it on there. You know, that's not what God wants to be in our life. God has so much more to offer us. And he wants us to realize that. And when we have a heart of gratitude and we take time to thank him, he wants us to realize that he's there all the time in the good times as well as the hard times. But God has something so incredible for you and I. You know, God does not want us to come in to worship and with a a sense of a long face. You know, there's times in your life and my life too we do get down a little bit because something's not going well or we've got a lot in our mind or we're concerned or we're preoccupied in the, the matters of life and things, and those are serious things. And we have problems with sadness sometimes. We may be discouraged sometimes. But worship is all about praising God. It's not about us. He doesn't want us entering in with a saddened heart. He wants us to come joyful because of who He is. Not because of what we have, but because who we have. God. Worship is praising God. Make a joyful shout, it says. You know, kind of a strange illustration here, and don't mean any offense to anybody, but there's a lot of restaurants and bars that have what they call a happy hour, and they do it for the wrong reasons. You know, I think churches should have a happy hour for all the right reasons, without any of the liquid. God has called you and I to have a happy hour every church, every Sunday at church. Man, I'm praising God today. I'm going to God to just celebrate God and celebrate what he's done in my life. You know, a lot of times we have a hard time doing that, though, because we haven't been walking where we need to be walking with God. Maybe we walk in some Sundays and we don't really have that strong a testimony this week because I haven't spent a whole lot of time with him. But I can promise you this. If you spend time with God, if you talk to him every day, talk to him all the time, if you spend time in his holy word, you know what happens? 
you're going to have a testimony on Sunday. Why? Because you've been, I just spent the whole week with God, and I'm going with my brothers and sisters on Sunday, and we're going to celebrate God. I'm filled with joy because God showed up this week. There's a fellow by the name of Paul Usherman. He was one of the originators, but also one of the CEOs of the whole Jesus film concept when they put that Jesus film together. It was a story of Jesus Christ. They did it, a beautiful drama and beautiful film about the life of Jesus. But he also took the responsibility to distribute millions of these films around the world. He happened to be in Mogadishu, Africa, of all places. And he just distributed some films there, and they're going to show it on a Friday night. So he decided, I'm going to go watch this. They had almost 700 people from Mogadishu show up to watch this outdoor film. And the film was going on, and people were just falling in love with this Jesus character, who he was. They'd never heard about Jesus, many of them. But they were watching this film. And it got more intense as the movie went on. As you know, the story changes, and all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested. And they beat Jesus Christ, and they whip him, and then they nail him on the cross. Well, these 700 people were so upset and so distraught, they rushed the film. They fell down on their faces. They were weeping and crying. And so a lot of, the, a lot of people that were there representing the film and representing you know, being there with Paul S. Usherman ran up there too to try to comfort, and they began crying and weeping too because there was a solemnness there. So they turned the film off right at the crucifixion there. And it took them more than an hour to get them consoled to a point where they stopped crying from it. They said, just please watch the end of the movie. Please watch the end of the movie. They wouldn't stop crying for more than an hour, crying and weeping and wailing about what happened to Jesus Christ. The Spirit was moving like that. Well, they eventually got them to go back to where they were sitting on the ground out there, and they said, watch the end of the movie. They turned that movie back on. It got to the point where they buried him in the grave, and they realized there's still some more movies, so they kept watching all of a sudden, those 700-plus people realized that Jesus Christ came back to life. He rose from the grave. They started, really? There was an explosion. It was like a dam bursting. The crowd exploded and rushed the thing again, just praising God and shouting to God Almighty, God Almighty, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. There was a movement of the Holy Spirit in that room. More than 500 of those 700 people got saved that night in that place because they saw the story of Jesus Christ. They were that excited. Are you excited this morning about Jesus Christ? Are you excited that he came to earth? He was God came to earth. Let me tell you this little sad story. My wife, this is kind of sad. My wife sent me to the store with a little honeydew list. But I was walking out of Target over there in VCC on Saturday. And these three ladies in this little car, I'm walking out, come driving up beside me. And the pleasant little ladies, and they said, hey, sir, can we talk to you for a second? I said, yes, and they pulled out this flyer. I knew exactly who they were. I didn't even see the flyer yet. I knew who they were, Jehovah's Witnesses. And so they said, sir, we just want you to give this, and we, we, we love you, and we want you to know the truth. And I said, well, I said, uh, I understand the Bible pretty good, and I realize that you and I have a different opinion about who Jesus Christ is. And they said, well, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not bad to be wrong. I mean, they were insinuating that I was wrong. And I said, well, I said, uh, I appreciate your zealousness. I appreciate your in, in ingenuity here and your initiative here to go out and share your faith. But I said, my heart would be that you go home and really understand Jesus Christ. You know what scripture they pulled out? They pulled out Stephen's scripture when he got martyred. And I uh, started talking about that out of the book of Acts. They said, well, and they had a picture drawn on one of the little magazines here. Here's God in heaven. Here's Jesus standing by the right side of God. If Jesus and God were the same person, I talked about that already. I said, I believe that Jesus Christ is God. 
And she said, well, we don't. He's the son of God. And we can prove that. So they had a man-made picture here and showed when Steve looked up and saw God Almighty in the heavens and saw Jesus standing on the right hand. There's two people. See, there's two people here. And then the angels over here, they had a nice little picture of angels over here too. So I told them this. I said, listen, I said, I respect you for wanting to share what you think is truth. But I can tell you right now it's not true. And I said, I can prove it. I said, you go read John chapter 1, and you ask what that really means. Some people, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I said, there's a lot of scriptures, but that's the easiest one for you to go look at and think about. And so, well, thank you very much. And uh, we pray you'll do the same thing and figure this out. Listen, when you understand who God really is, who Jesus Christ is, and the Holy Spirit, and when you truly understand that, you understand the scripture, how you can prove that, and how you know that, you know what that does? It changes us. Because we know that we have the truth. It's a shame that sometimes we're a little more bashful than the people that have the things that aren't true to disseminate. But listen very carefully. God has given you and I a story. God has given you and I a, Luth, a, a life. And it's truth. We have an opportunity to understand the truth and know the truth. And the truth will do what? Set you free. The Bible tells us that. I told you that there's five key words that describe the essence of Thanksgiving. Word number two is serve. Look at verse number two. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You know, sometimes we get a little confused here. And things I'm going to tell you are not wrong, but there's something that we sometimes miss. That it says, serve the Lord. It doesn't say to serve the church. It doesn't say to serve the preacher. It doesn't say to serve some organization. It says to serve the Lord. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40 says this, And the king, speaking about Jesus Christ, will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus Christ is saying, everything you do, serve me. When you serve these other people, when you do these things, when you serve at church or serve people, serve organization, serve me. You're serving me when you do that. And do it for me. This is something not to miss. That when we serve, we talk about this in Mission to Hanover, when we serve and we go out, the biggest thing we're doing is representing Jesus Christ. We got. We're helping people with their yards. We're winterizing houses. We're fixing floors and roofs. And we've done phenomenal things. You guys have done phenomenal things all these years in helping people. But when we go out, you know what we're doing? We're serving Jesus Christ first. And so the most important thing we can do when we go out and help people is make sure they have the greatest thing. Remember when Paul and John were going to the temple? They entered through that beautiful gate. And who was sitting outside there? The lame man that had been lame for birth. He said, alms, alms for the poor. Saw Peter and John coming. I'm sure they imagined all oh, these guys <laughs> can have much money. They look worse than I do. So they walked up there anyway. Said alms, alms. And what Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give to you. You know he wanted to know. He wanted them to know Jesus Christ. He wasn't going to give them money. He was going to give them something so much more precious. When we come into the house of worship, we don't need to realize that you know I got all these things. You know what we need to realize? I got God through Jesus Christ. I have this relationship. It's huge. It's huge. You know, it says there in the second part of verse 2, it says, Come before his presence with singing. Once again, if you dissect that word presence in the Hebrew, you know what it means? It means face. It means come face to face with God. Serve the Lord with gladness and come face to face with God. What does that mean? It means, man, I want to see God in my life. I want to see him show up. He's not going to show himself in a physical form, but he's going to show himself in all kinds of physical forms that are out here. The sun in the morning, the moon at night. You know, we had the big monster moon the other night. All the things that God shows us, you know, that that's God. It should make us ponder the thought of who he is, and it should make us want to live face-to-face -face with God Almighty. 
Roland Allen was a veteran medical missionary in India. He served for decades in an area that had a progressive blindness disease. There was something going on there in the culture and the, the environment or the water there that was causing people that were born with perfectly good vision and living for a number of years with perfectly good vision to lose their sight. And he decided to get some other doctors over there to help him kind of figure this out, and they did. They figured out what was causing it. And they were able to help these people not go blind. And a number of people were on their way to getting blind. Their, their eyesight was getting dimmer and dimmer, and they realized, I'm getting ready to lose my sight. And so he saved so many people from that village in India where he served. You know, but their dialogue there that they spoke, they didn't have a word for thank you. They didn't have a word, so they didn't know how to say thank you. But they were so excited that this doctor helped them. This doctor took a blind man and helped him see again. They were so excited. Do you know what they started saying? They said, I will always tell your name. You know what they're saying by that? I'm always going to tell people that you did this. You helped me. And that missionary said, God did that. God did that. God did that. But think about this. Think about the fact that you were once blind and now you can see. That you were once lame and now you can walk. That you were once lost and now you can, you've been found. You know, I never want to stop talking about the name that did that, Jesus Christ. Jesus gave me that. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. We have something to sing about. God has blessed you and I. You know, the psalmist says here, suddenly you realize that God has been so good, you can't keep it inside yourself. I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. I'm going to serve him and do the things that he's called me to do. I'm going to walk in obedience. Because I want to understand, I want him to understand. Oh, there I go. I'll stand still. I want people to understand that I have something that wasn't mine to start with, that God gave me something. God gave me life. Attribute number three is to know. Look at verse three. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist knows we cannot rightly give thanks unless we truly know who God is. Think about that. I heard something about Thanksgiving a while back, a number of years ago, if I can remember it right. There's a lot of people that want to say thanks but don't know who to thank. A lot of people out there that want to say thanks but they just don't know who to thank. And then there's others that don't really, they know who to thank but they're just not really that thankful. We have an incredible blessing. But we also know who we need to thank. You know, when we think about what we have here, this scripture, this scripture calls us to know that the Lord is good. The Lord is God. You know, when we look at this scripture, it's really, you and I, just a matter of getting the story straight. What do I have here? We need to understand who is my God. The issue is one of faith and trust. Acknowledging who he is. We need to listen to who he is. Think about this for just a second again. Know the Lord, he is God. Sorry, guys. Let's try and tighten this up a little bit. How about now? Is it, is it back on? Are we on? Okay. We'll see. I won't jump around too much here. Verse 3 says this, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. If we truly listen to this, 
we realize that if we've been created, he's the creator. If we are sheep, then he is our shepherd. If we enter into his courts, then he is our king. If we serve him, he is our master. Ponder this thought, too, just for a second, personally. True biblical thanksgiving is thanking God for who he is. It's it's thanking him, too, for what we have, but the essence of true thanksgiving is thanking him for who he is. A lot of times, though, we don't get much further past the idea of thanking him for what we have. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. And that's not wrong. But the essence of all these things, it's like that turtle on fence post came from God. God gave me these things. And I want to be thankful to him first and foremost and take that time to thank him, to praise his name. Remember the story in Luke 17? There was ten lepers that were hanging out together. One day along comes Jesus Christ. They see him walking down there. They heard about him. So they cried out to Jesus Christ. They said, hey, Jesus, Master, please have mercy on us, screaming at the top of their lungs and trying to get his attention. So he yelled back, said, hey, go show yourselves to the priest. That was the person that could cleanse, not cleanse somebody, but that could verify if they're lepers or not. He could verify they're clean. So he said, hey, go show yourself to the priest. And they're kind of wondering that. He says, go do it. As they were walking away, you know what happened? They were cleansed. The leprosy went away. And then this happens later on that verse, Luke 17, verse 15. It says this, And one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. He shouted, God, thank you. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Where were the nine, where were the, were there not ten clans? But where are the nine? When we know the Lord, it should cause us to be overwhelmed with thanksgiving. When we truly know what God has done in our life, when we truly know that who we are and what we are and the attributes that we have personally, the characteristics we have and the, the skills and the traits we have and the job we have and the, the blessings we have in this earth, all came from God. God gave us those. We understand that God did that. We understand who he is. It should cause us, just like that one leper that came back, to praise the Lord with loudness, to glorify God, and also to fall down on our face and realize how blessed we truly are. You know, that's when true worship happens, and we've had that. I've had the experience before in my own life, but also with some of you before. When you've gone through an incredibly hard time, and you come into the sanctuary and worshiping, thanking God, and you've told me, I've never worshiped like I had before. I've never worshiped like this before. I've never seen God the same way before. Because why? Because he just delivered me out of an incredible heartache. He just delivered me in a, in a horrible way and did a marvelous work. I was in a horrible way, and he delivered me. The fourth attribute to look about at Thanksgiving is enter. Verse 4 says this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Enter is the word there. You know what? It means showing up with something to say. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to tell you right this now that Beaverdam Baptist Church worship would go to a whole new level if we all came in here overwhelmed with gratitude. If we all came in here overwhelmed with thanksgiving. You know, we'd have a joy-filled spirit. We'd have a joy-filled heart. We'd sing those songs and the words would mean truly. And I know they mean something to you now. But it'd have a whole new meaning. 
I want you to ponder this thought. Maybe the fact that you can walk through the doors on a Sunday morning here is something to praise about. Because there's a lot of people that died this last week around this nation for all kinds of reasons. Illnesses, health, accidents, shootings, all kinds of reasons. I praise God for that. I've thought about this with my kids. I'm thankful that every night when my kids were living home, they, they, we got to sit around the dinner table every night. They all showed up. Now they're in different areas, but I'm thankful that I talk to them almost every day. And they're doing well. We have so much to be thankful for. He says, enter into his gates, enter into his worship. You know, the temple symbolized the presence of God in the Old Testament. That's where the presence of God was. It was the covenant. It was the Ark of the Covenant that symbolized God's presence. It was inside that temple. We live every single day in the presence of God. Why? Because we're the temple now, where the Holy Spirit resides. We have an opportunity to be thankful for God all day long. A man by the name of Robert Bruce describes walking down a street in New York City one day. Traffic bustling off and on, all kinds of conversation. The streets were packed with people. As he walked down about the middle of the block there in uh, downtown New York City, he heard the sweetest singing he'd ever heard. I mean, it was incredible, this man's voice, beautiful baritone voice, just singing praises of the Lord. And he looked around, looked around, couldn't see the guy. Where's that music coming from, recording from one of these stores here? Where's that music coming from? It was just beautiful. Just touched his heart, made his heart sore because it was such beautiful music. He couldn't see it anywhere, and all of a sudden the crowd parted a little bit as they were walking down the street there, and he saw a man over there with no legs sitting in a wheelchair, singing his hearts out. He was just rolling down the street too, just singing as he went, filled with the joy of God and shouting and praising God. This man, Robert, went over to him and said, Hey, this is amazing, brother. I had no idea that you had that kind of voice. I, and, and further, I can't imagine why you'd be singing like this in the condition you're in, being confined to a wheelchair. This man in the wheelchair said, When I stopped looking at what I didn't have and started thanking God for what I did have, I just praised God. You know, our praising God and our being grateful to God shouldn't be contingent upon what we have or don't have on this earth. It should be singularly focused on the fact that we got God in heaven who loves us, worthy of all of our praise, loving him with all we have. You know, there's a big difference between grumbling and gratitude. You can't really have true gratitude if you grumble a lot. Maybe some of us know people like that that just seem to be kind of stuck for whatever reason on the negative end of the spectrum about life. We have a great opportunity there to encourage them. But you can't truly show gratitude if you grumble. Well, listen to this. If you're living with a heart of gratitude, you know what? You can't grumble. I'm just so thankful. You know, i got a couple of issues here and an issue over here. Maybe I'm not really right where I want to be with this person over here, but I'm just thankful for the God. So I'm just going to trust God, and I'm going to keep praying about it, and I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep thanking God for what I have, being grateful, being grateful. You know, when we come into the sanctuary, it's a matter of coming in and being grateful for what we have and wanting to worship Him, be filled with joy and thanking God for what we have. Just like that man in the wheelchair, without legs. Amy and I, when we left our precious friend Julia today, told each other in the car driving away, what's going on with Jill right now puts life in perspective. She's, issue, she's facing some issues that none of us would really want to face or invite into our own life. But you know what? She's doing it with great strength, courage, 
boldness and gratitude for what she does have. Her precious family, her husband, friends that went to see her. Life is not going to always be pleasant. But you know what? In the midst of that unpleasantness, we can still praise God and be thankful for him. That we don't have to go through that trouble or that problem by ourselves. That he's going to give us the strength we need. He tells us it's in our weakness we see his greatest strength. He also says, I'm going to give you my abiding presence. You're not going through it alone. I pray that for people all the time going through hard times. I pray they'd be overwhelmed with God's abiding presence. Why? Because they need that strength. They need to feel his presence. And they do when they look for it. It's there. It's always there. The final attribute, everlasting. Look at verse 5. It says, for the Lord is good, his mercy is enduring. I'm sorry, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures for all generations. Everlasting. Think about this. He's never going away. In fact, we're leaving this earth one day, and we're going to spend eternity with him. It's everlasting. Our God. I don't know if you noticed there, but in the very first verse we read this morning, it begins with all the lands, and it ends here with all generations. So you know what we're seeing here? We're seeing that God's saying every nation and every individual for all time, for all generations, is going to have my everlasting, for the verse here, my everlasting goodness, my everlasting mercy, and my everlasting truth. We've talked about this many, many times, but we're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. We've already been given the victory. Worship. Excuse me. We'll fix that for the next service. You come back and hear it without interruption next service. Worship is a time to celebrate what we already have. That God has already blessed us with these things. We have all these things. It's not a matter of us coming in to worship to try to receive them. We already have them. We come in here to celebrate what we already have. Come in to thank God and be thankful for the things he's blessed us with. Remember how many times in the Bible that the people shouted? There's numerous times, and I didn't take the time to count them up, but you can think of a lot of them. But probably one of the most famous times that we saw the people shout was when the nation of Israel was given the command to go take down Jericho. God told them to go around that uh, city of Jericho one, one, one time for six days, and on the seventh day walking around the city of Jericho seven times. And when he got around the seventh time, he's going to blow the trumpets and everybody shouts. And uh, I want you to hear this, too. We're going to read another verse here in a second. But in Joshua 6, verse 1, God tells Joshua that I already given you a city. He hadn't even thought about tactics yet. He hadn't got a strategy for taking it down. He's getting ready to tell Joshua how he wants to do it. And Joshua's probably listening to the thing and saying, okay, I'll do that, God. The generals, I'm sure, were thinking, really, that's going to work. But God says, I've already given you the city. I've already given you all the mighty men of valor and the king there. It's already yours. You already have the victory. Guess what? God told Moses back in the desert, I've already given you those cities. Even before those guys went to spy out the land, God said, I already gave it. So they sat and wasted time for 40 years because they didn't trust God when God told them, I've already given you the victory. I've already given you that city. Trust me. Well, they didn't do it, so they sat there for 40 years. But now they're there. And so Joshua said, this is what we're going to do. And Joshua 6, 20 says this, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. This is on the seventh time around on that seventh day. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. On the seventh time walking around the city, on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. 
The trumpets blew and they shouted. And the walls came tumbling down. What made those walls come tumbling down? God did. Why did God knock down those walls? Because of their obedience. Why did the people shout? Because they had faith in God. They trusted God. They were walking in obedience. Listen very carefully. You and I have walls in our lives. But we have something to celebrate because when God knocks down those walls, all we need to do is walk in obedience and trust Him and realize that God wants to do something great in our lives. Let me share this thought in conclusion. We have so much to be thankful for. One of the top things in Amy's and my list is this church. You. We thank God for you as I watch you come in this morning and hug some of you and shake some of your hands. I realize that God has put some incredibly precious, precious people in my life that we can serve together here and we can go out and make a difference in this world. This world is dying, listen very carefully, dying to hear the good news, the greatest news ever told. He's waiting for you and I to truly be that light to this world and be the salt in this world. We have so much to be thankful for. When we become serious about being grateful and get out of the way of the Holy Spirit, you know what? We can't help but talk about it. We can't help but show it. Our countenance will change. God desires for you and I to be light and to be thankful.